Welcome to Simply Financial with your financial coach, Kevin Ray. In today's investing environment, there's a lot of clutter. If you're tired of the talking heads and financial noise, this is the show for you. Today, we'll help you find simple solutions to financial challenges. We'll show you how to achieve your financial goals and get answers to your toughest questions. Simply Financial with Kevin Ray starts now. Hey, it's another edition of Simply Financial. Welcome back. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Kevin Ray, your financial coach at Insight Folio, serving you all throughout the Tri-City area. Got a great show on the way for you today as we talk a little bit about classic Christmas songs and what they teach us about financial and retirement planning, plus some end-of-year items that you might want to keep on the top of your mind before we turn the page officially to 2024, and a little bit more as well we'll throw into the mix on today's show. Walter Storholt here with Kevin Ray, and Kevin, it is great to be with you this week, my friend, and uh, uh, looking forward to this great show with you. Well, it's going to be fun, Walter. We're talking about Christmas songs, but let's let's back up a little bit about Thanksgiving because, you know, we've talked about this in the past. Your your Thanksgiving duck a couple of years didn't turn out so well. Yes, I'm, I'm curious Uh-oh. this year. How did your? I heard you're in charge of the Thanksgiving turkey. How did that go? Yeah, we we were hosting a few friends this year. So some uh, some friends from church who also don't have family that live in the area. We said, well, why don't we do a friendsgiving, but just do it on Thanksgiving? And so that's what we did this year, and we hosted. So I was in charge of the turkey, Kevin, and I was not going to tackle the duck again. Not with another new audience after that fiasco where we were eating with my parents that one year at 11 o'clock at night because I had not thought out the turkey, the uh, duck enough, and it was taking, you know, literally years to cook uh, is what it felt like. <laughs> well, I thought I was doing pretty good on the turkey this year, uh, but we were a little late. Uh, we, we went about two hours past the time we were supposed to be sitting down to eat. So luckily this year I'd planned for that possibility, and we had lots of appetizers, so people were not going hungry. But there was there was a nice two-hour delay delay of sitting down from what we had planned on. The turkey did turn out okay eventually. I think what happened is I overstuffed it and the the heat wasn't getting into the cavity and like able to help it cook from the inside a little bit. I, I stuffed too much in there. And so then it was because the breast cooked real nicely and, and the legs and the wings were okay, but it was all that kind of interior pieces that were still too much the thighs and all that. There was just way too much red still in there. So Ooh. it was one of those things where you pulled it out and you're like, uh-oh, we're not close. And then put it back in <laughs> and then pull it back out again a little bit later. Uh-oh, still not close. Put it back in, pull it back out. So it was a little dicey so, there for a while. So, you know, Connie maybe should get you some cooking lessons for Christmas is what I'm, is the road I'm going down right now. Well, I started to talk to other people and I think, I, yes, that's true. But uh, I think I figured it out. I, I, when I cook dinner normally, you know, I want, I want it coming off the oven or the pan or the grill and i want to be eating it you know 90 seconds later i want me too i love it hot i want it nice and hot and like people that say let steak rest i'm like you're crazy no i'm pulling that steak off i'm eating it while it's still ready to burn my mouth like i want a nice hot meal hot steak and i try to do that with the turkey and i think that's where i'm going wrong because it's just hard to time the turkey to be ready right as you serve it. Because I talked to other people, they were like, oh, no, 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 I put that thing at five in the morning, it's done hours before everything else, and I just let it sit under foil and stay warm. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to time it to where the turkey's ready as soon as you know the dinner time is there. And they're like, no, no, that's the wrong way to go. Oh, I'm, I'm on your page. I love to take it out and let it sit for five minutes max, because I like it. Yeah. It's called hot when I eat it and then start carving. And I'm the same way as, as you are on that. The hotter, the better for me. Yeah. What's the point of lukewarm food? I don't I, you know. I can, I, you know I, can go, I can go outside and get that, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you don't need to cook that, right? <laughs> right. Uh, all right, so we're going to see what we can learn about financial planning and retirement from some of the classic Christmas songs you'll be hearing over the next couple of weeks. Let's first start with the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, this old classic probably has a thing or two to teach us about the power, I'm going to guess here, Kevin, of compounding. Where, where do you see that pop up in the show or in this uh, song? Well, compounding, right? Uh, if you you bought what what is it, a partridge in a pear tree, it may have cost you on that first day, right? Yeah, yeah, first day, and then the second day you're buying something else and turtle doves and another partridge and another pear tree. It keeps getting more expensive and expensive and expensive. So the interest is kicking; it's compounding, right? So the last thing may cost you forty, fifty grand by the time you get there. Yeah, I think that's that. If you added up the cost of all of those things today, you'd be at like forty five thousand dollars of all the things that you buy on the first twelve days of Christmas over and over again. <laughs> well, you know, we can relate to compounding. So, first of all, what do we talk about compounding? Can you give me an explanation, Walter? So, my guess, and when we're talking about from the investing side, that's where you're you're saving money, putting money away, and investing it, and then those returns are earning money on its own over a period of time. So you save $50,000, it can increase to 60, 70, whatever the time frame and the interest rate is. But without you having you to do extra work, your money's working for you. Well, that's true. I think Einstein, now don't quote me on this, said, you know, compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. So let me give you an example, simple example, Walter. It's going to include math here now. So I'm Do I need to get ready. the calculator out? You need to get the calculator. Thanks so for the say, warning this time. You must be feeling charitable today. I, I am. It's Christmas time. <laughs> Let's say you had $10,000. Okay. And you put it in a deferred instrument of some sort, IRA, annuity, whatever. Okay. And it, and it earns 5%. How much interest are you going to earn in that first year? Uh, I'm getting 5% on that. So I'm going to get uh, $500. $500. So next year you have 10500 Yep. So if you're earning 5%, are you going to get $500 next the following year? Oh, no. I'm going to get a little bit more than that. Because you're going to get interest on? 525 because now I'm getting interest on uh, 10500 500 mm-hmm. So you're Yeah. So th- that's the difference between simple interest or simple interest, you're earning 500 every year, or compounding interest, you're earning it on the interest also. So let me give you a, a more in-depth example here. Let's say that you're 20 years old okay, or even 30 years old. Okay. And you're, you're thinking down the road, you've been listening to Kevin and Walter forever, and you're saying, you know what, I got to start the savings because I want to retire someday. So we're just going to put away $5,000 to start with, okay? One okay. deposit, $5,000. we are going to contribute 400 a month or 4800 close to 5000 per year for the next 30 years. So if you're 30 years old, you do it for 30 years, now, and, and you average 8% rate of return, you're not going to be able to figure this out. But guess how much money you're going to have at the end of that 30 years. Well, without the interest, we'd be at about 150000 right. of our dollars contributed over that span of time. So, I don't know, times 8% interest on that, I'm going to go with maybe like 300000 something like that. $650,822. Wow. That's the power we're talking about here, right? Compounding yeah. over years in years and years another thing now that's just simple interest let's let's talk about because we talk about dividends on the show too right yep let's talk about something that we use every single day and i'm going to use a company called chevron okay okay now here's where compounding if you're out there in in the investment world you're in the stocks and they pay dividends let me give an example that's an oil company right chevron corporation yep yep i can go back to 1995 august 1st 1995 and I can say it ends in November, and I put one investment in there, $10,000, okay? Okay. 
So when I bought that investment back in 1995, I bought 403 shares, a little over 403 shares. So that's what my $10,000 bought me. Now, I'm reinvesting the dividends. In other words, for holding one share of, of, of Chevron stock, what it's going to do is it's going to pay you a dollar figure for every share that you own. So I just let them reinvest and compound over the years. At the end of the, of the from 1995 to 2023, I now I have 1,123 shares. Almost, almost 1,124 shares. Wow. And, I, and, and from I, you doing nothing. Doing nothing but let it, but letting it compound over mm -hmm. time. So if we go and we look at a calculator, which is pretty cool, you can look all this stuff up on Dividend Investor, for example. So Chevron pays a dividend of $6.04 today. So for every share you own, they pay you $6.04 in the form of a dividend. And in this case, it's reinvesting, buying you more shares over the time. That's how we went from, you know, X amount of shares to, you know, almost, almost three times the amount of shares. Now, if you took that dividend and you retired at the end of the at the end of that time frame, that's going to pay you on the, those shares. Do you remember how the amount of shares it was? Uh, something like a thousand is what you ended up with. Yeah, you end up with uh, one thousand one hundred twenty-three times six dollars and four cents. That's six thousand seven hundred eighty-two dollars a year in income. That's pretty nice. Just and either just living off of that or just you, keep buying more shares, right? Just keep buying more shares. So that's the power of compounding. So you could take that, in this case, if you actually invested $10,000, hmm. and now you're taking the income, it's sixty-seven, almost $6,800 of income off a of $110,000 investment, and the compound of interest and how that thing works, it just bought you more and more shares. You started with 400 shares, now you have 1,123 shares. That's what we're talking about. You want to get that working in your own portfolio. You want to get that going forward because guess what, Walter? Someday, even you, the young fellow you are, you're going to want income. That's right. And this is one way that we use in our office to generate income. So I thought it'd be kind of a fun exercise to take us down that road just to show you the power of compounding since we're talking about the 12 days of Christmas and we can mm -hmm. talk about 12 different ways to compound interest, but this is two simple ways that you could do it. I love the way uh, getting into those details in a little bit more depth is fantastic. So I definitely appreciate the opportunity to do that with you, Kevin. Uh, if you want to learn more about turkey cooking tips, uh, fly fishing <laughs> ideas, and dividends and compound interest and all that investing and retirement planning stuff as well, don't hesitate to reach out to Kevin if you've got any questions at all. 888-885-PLAN is the number to call. That's 888-885-7526 or go online to Insight folios.com. All right, 12 Days of Christmas, uh, good song there. Interesting to add up those numbers and look at that compounding interest lesson. What about Rudolph? Rudolph was just on TV the other night. Um, although I wasn't able to watch it, Kevin, I was kind of surprised because uh, wow. I have YouTube TV. I don't know if anybody else experienced this. If, you, if you're a streamer and you went to go watch Rudolph, it was a big deal the other night when it said, oh, nope, you can't stream this. Even though it's live on TV and you have that channel, because it's technically streaming, you can't view it because CBS didn't buy the streaming rights to the movie. So you had to have traditional cable to be able to see Rudolph stream the other night. So. Well, I think I've watched it every year since, you know, since the 60s. Because Same. I remember as a kid sitting in the room with my mom and dad on the 25-inch console mm -hmm. watching it, you know. We, we watch it every Christmas Eve. Um, yeah. we, we bought it so that we can just watch it, you know, anytime and not have to rely on when it just appears on national TV. But, yeah, same deal. Every uh, Christmas Eve we watch it as a family. So that's definitely one of the best out there. Great tradition. Well, in any event, the financial lesson from Rudolph, I would say, Kevin, has to be that it's a classic study of the potential benefit of finding an undervalued asset. 
that because that's what Rudolph was that entire movie, right? Just completely undervalued for his odd red nose. And then all of a sudden he comes in and turns out to be the most popular reindeer and the most helpful when they needed him in the snowstorm and all that good stuff. So what's a financial asset maybe or just an asset in general that people might undervalue in their own financial life? What's the Rudolph of our portfolios? I think we just talked about it, Walter. I think it's, you know, dividend paying stocks. Okay. Uh, they're, they're not as sexy as most investments seem, uh, might make themselves seem these days, but they're still kind of this just like nice, steady stalwart of, of success. Yeah, it's a way to compound, number one. It's a way to buy additional shares without writing check, mm-hmm. number two. And it's a way to take, or number three, it's a way to take income down the road just by turning off the reinvestment on side of it and have them dividend payments going directly into your checking account. I think that's overlooked. Now, if you look at Warren Buffett, big dividend guy. You look at Kevin O'Leary, you know who Kevin O'Leary is? Well, yeah, the Shark Tank guy, right? Shark Tank mm-hmm. guy, yeah. Just Google his his mother's story and it'll tell you um, about how she you know had dividends in her portfolio and how she lived off it and there's this a school secretary out or a college secretary out in california who gave 10 million dollars away with the power dividends and compounding like we talked about earlier there i think that's a critical component that people should be looking at in their portfolio because it can do several things it can compound it can give you more shares and it can pay out future income and i think that's the most underlooked undervalued thing when people come to my office i'm typically looking do you have any dividend paying stocks they may have a couple in there but typically it's it's not going to be their primary concern yeah especially if anyone's got a a good time horizon where those dollars can continue to work for you um that's that's a really undervalued thing in today's world so keep that in mind You thought I was going to go gold or silver or something like that, didn't you? I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure which direction you'd take it in. But uh, I I know you're on the the dividend kick seems to be uh, sparking big in your mind today, it sounds like. So that's good. All right. I don't know how you're going to make this next connection. So I'm putting this one totally on you. Uh, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Definitely one of the weirder Christmas songs. Um, Any financial connection uh, that this will teach us here? Mama kissing Santa. So you thought, you know, let's back up here a second. You thought Mama was kissing Santa Claus. It turns out to be Dad, right? Well, of course, right? Yeah, yeah Dad's yeah. Dad's Dad's playing Santa. So, it, so there wasn't anything really nefarious going on. It's just still an odd song, I think. But let's look at, you know, how did things turn out? That you know they weren't quite what they seemed. That's what you're getting at, right? Yeah. So you know, we look, let's look at uh, just overall investments, right? People tend to get on what kick, uh, Walter. When you're buying an investment, what's the number one thing they're looking for? A return. Yeah, return. Growth, yeah, right? Yeah. Growth, want, growth, growth. We want our money back plus some. That that yeah. interest rate, how much are we getting back for it, all that good stuff. Yeah. So when we're looking at growth, we're either looking at stocks or bonds in, in most cases. So, But bonds, I think two people tend to think, you know, if I put money in this bond fund, I'm not going to lose any money. Do you think that ever happens? It, it can happen, right? Yeah, it can. I mean, last year, for example, you may have lost 15 20% if you had a bond fund. So you thought you bought this bond fund for safety, maybe security, it wasn't gonna go anywhere, but interest rates rose, we all know that, they rose very quickly, and those bond funds, you know, didn't they didn't rise like most people were thought, they went the opposite way, because bonds are the inverse of interest rates, whatever interest rates are going. So when I'm looking at people's portfolio, they may be very heavy and, you know, I may have 40, 50% in bonds, because they think it's offsetting the volatility 
in their portfolio. So if the stocks goes down, the bonds go up. Now that normally happens. That happens more often than not, but it doesn't happen that way all the time. We can look back in history and that, you know, they, they both go down. In other words, the tide goes out on all ships or all investments in that particular instance. So when you're thinking that you have something and you're looking at it and you think it does this one thing, it may not. So that's where, you know, I'm looking at people's portfolio, especially last year. We all knew interest rates are going up. I'm like, why so heavy in bonds? You know, those things go up. You could, you could have a volatile time on, on the bond side. So we want to take a look at that. Just be careful. You understand each investment, what its purpose is, what, what its downside is, what its pros and cons are, right? Most people in this particular instance didn't think the con was you could lose money and you could lose 15, 20%. You can. So be careful when you're sitting down and you're picking investments. More importantly, make sure it fits to what you're trying to do. Make sure it's getting you to retirement, getting you through retirement, or whatever goal you have in mind for it. There you have Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Turn it right into financial advice. Love how you can do that, Kevin. Great, great skill. All right, last one. Here's your challenge for Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I think this one's a good one to remember that spouses, uh, you know, don't usually pass away at the same time. And more often than not, the female outlives the man. And uh, but in this horrific little ditty of Grandma got run over by a reindeer, it unfolds the other way with Grandpa outliving Grandma. So what what do we uh, make out of this to make sure maybe the spouse who lives the longest, no matter which one it is, is taken care of financially? Because I guess we just can't assume that it's going to be one way. No, you can't. Even if the stats tell us that. Right. Let me give you an example. My mom passed away when she was 66 years old, 2009. Okay? So my my dad was here. Unfortunately, my dad just passed away Mm -hmm. the 18th of this month. So my dad had from 2009 to the 18th of this month to do just what we're talking about, right? One spouse dies. How are we going to take care of the other spouse so they have enough income? Well, in this particular case, when mom passed away, dad lost her Social Security. So what we did is we took some investments and regenerated income. You know, we did basically either took dividends or interest in his case, and we generated enough to make up for that Social Security. We never sold anything. We never put it in, in you know, like an insurance company, an immediate annuity where it paid out X amount of dollars per month to make that up. And the reason I didn't do it then was because interest rates were too low. Didn't make sense. So what we did is we looked at alternative investments that would generate interest and dividends. And in dad's case, what we did is we put X amount of dollars aside and every three months, that's the way he went, not every month, every three months, he got a check and it made up for what mom social security was. So in that case, you know, every month it kept coming and has been doing that since 2009. In fact, he had more income than he needed so he could do anything that he wanted. But that's one of the planning techniques is, all right, let's look. If your spouse, you know, walks out on life before you do, what income are you going to be missing on your side? Are you going to be missing pensions, Social Security, or whatever it is? How do we take the assets that you have and how do we turn those into income so it lasts as long as you do going forward? And that's the trick. That's where the simplicity process comes into play because we can put that in your scenario. And most of the time, Walter, this is a funny thing, you know, because you, you said it earlier, usually the, the women outlive the men. So I'll ask, I'll ask the wife in this particular case. When you want me to check your husband out? and Because and, and, I always like running illustrations to 95 and say, oh, no, let's go 80, 85. So I'll do that. And we can show that in that plan. All right, here's the income you're missing. How are we going to plan for that? That's critical going forward. Don't guess. Don't think you're going to be okay. Know you're going to be okay. Don't assume. Let's solve it before you get there. 
and let's put everything in place. So when my dad passed away, there's going to be no probate. There's going to be none of that stuff. All the tax, most tax advantage ways that are possible. You know, of course, I do this for a living, so it's it's all done on his side. But if you don't do this for a living, make sure it's done on your side. You got to you know get powers of attorney. You got to get you know beneficiaries put in place. All these things that go into that thing, so you don't get run over by the train at the end, and you don't have to go to work part time someplace that you don't want to do. That's the planning process. That's what we talk about every single week here. Get that planning process put in place. Let's look at the things that could derail your retirement, and let's get ahead of that train before it comes down the track, and let's put. Make sure it stays on the track instead of going off the track. Well, that's the really nice thing is that you don't have to be an expert in all these different things just to make sure that your family members are going to be well taken care of and in a good position. You can work with somebody like Kevin who helps make sure all of that is organized and that you're thinking of the questions that you otherwise wouldn't know you needed to ask, making sure that you're getting the right answers to some of those big questions about life, financial planning, retirement, taking care of loved ones. It's really just scratching the surface of the whole planning process, but it's just a great example of how uh, if you're not an expert in some of these areas. We talked a lot about dividend uh, income. We talked a lot about other types of financial planning considerations as well over the last couple of minutes. And it's hard to be an expert in all of those things if you're not doing it for a living each and every day. And so that's where working with a professional really moves the needle for us as individuals. If you'd like to talk with Kevin one-on-one about your financial life and some of these big decisions that might be on the horizon and answer some of those big questions, Don't hesitate to reach out to him. You can set up a time to visit very easily by calling 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526 or go online to insightfolios.com. But again, that number to call if you have any questions at all. If you get the voicemail, leave a quick message and Kevin and the sensational Stacy will get back in touch with you to set up that time to visit. 888-885-PLAN is the number. Based in Pinconning, born and raised, and uh, serving all throughout the Tri-City area, reach out to Kevin today. 888-885-PLAN. More to come on today's show. You're listening to Simply Financial with Kevin Ray. No need to complicate it. This is Simply Financial. Well, Kevin, we were just saying in between segments how uh, time is really flying this year. Uh, just one one day after another, ticking away, already into December. And uh, before you know it, Christmas and New Year's will be here and we'll be into 2024. So without further delay, we better get to our end of year planning checklist, the 2023 edition. How does that sound? Well, that sounds like we're looking forward, which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so these these items might have a little bit of urgency, folks, because we're already into December and you would need to do these things for the most part before the end of the calendar year. So listen carefully in case there's something here that you need to act on. Uh, we've got definitely a couple of items to throw your direction here over the next few minutes. Financial matters you should address before the end of the year. All right. First on our checklist here, Kevin, is to consider maxing out retirement contributions if at all possible. Why do we want to try and max those out and not leave, you know, leave a little gap there between the max contribution and what we've already saved? Well, it's just going to help you in the end, right? So if you're contributing the max or if you're, you're close to it and you can get there, we just talked about it earlier in the show, the compounding interest effect. So you want to get that ball rolling. You want to get that snowball going down the hill. You want to gather it and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is just one way that you can, you know, start getting that snowball bigger, start that rolling down the hill. The more you do it, Walter, have you ever noticed when you made a snow snowman, you start rolling it at first as little, you know, it was a little small, then yes. it gathered more and more and very more. unimpressive at first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's the same way, right? Once you start, it's very small, but as you get going, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. 
So one way to do it is maxing out your contributions if you can. And, you know, for most people that come in our office, we'll talk about this and say, well, I don't know if I can. When you when you look at it, you know, those money monies that you're setting aside, let's say in the traditional 401k, well, they're pre-tax. So your take-home pay is probably going to be pretty close to the same one way or the other, either if you sit down and figure it out. So consider maxing out your retirement contributions because we're getting close to the end of the year, and that'll, that'll help you tax-wise too in most cases. Yeah, and, and you can't go back and add more. So, you know, if you have are, are close to that amount, try to make that little extra stretch, max it out this year because you can't say, ah, I left 1000 on the table in that account last year. Let me go back and add some more. Nope, can't do it, right? So right, right. this is you your can, only chance. This is it. So, yeah, make sure you look at it. So. Yeah, especially if you have any matching, right, to consider. you those That's free dollars that you're leaving on the table if there's uh, any matching element that would be taken advantage of by continuing to contribute. Say that again, Walter. That was free what? For free money, right? But see, that just drives me crazy. People come in and they're not they're not taking advantage of that. You know, you, you, you talked about return on money in the last segment. People are so obsessed about the return. Well, when you get that match from your employer, it's literally getting a one hundred percent return on your investments, right? Immediate yeah. and an immediate one hundred percent return. You can't beat that. <laughs> you can't. Well, it, it, it's funny because we had one uh, couple come in one day, and the wife was doing all she could, but the husband said, "I'm putting anything in." I said, "You're not doing anything in your front." No, why not? Well, I don't want you know. I just I just don't want to do it. I'm like, well, how much is the employer match? It's only a thousand dollars a year. He said. That's $1,000. $1,000. So had I, from that day forward, you know, I'm thinking, why, why, why did he think that, right? So I got a shredded bag of $10,000 currency from the U.S. Treasury. So every time somebody says that to me now, I say, in 10 years, this is what you threw away. If you walked outside and you seen 10 $100 bills laying on the ground, would you pick them up? Of course. Well, why aren't you picking them up? Yeah. And that did I convinced him to, you know, start taking advantage of least of the matching. So you got to do that. Yep, absolutely. All right. So we've uh, we've beaten that one pretty good. So max out those retirement contributions if you can. Uh, If you can't, that's one thing. But if you have the capacity, do it. Yes. Uh, Evaluate options for tax deductible charitable contributions at the end of the year. A lot of people certainly go through that. Um, This is a little bit different, though, than in, you know, kind of previous decades as far as that potential benefit, right, because of the, the Trump tax laws and how that changed things a little bit. Exactly. Let's say you know, we run into this all the time, Walter. Let's say that you give $10,000 away to the church. Okay. Just for an example, sure. right? You're a married couple. Prior to the new tax laws, you were able to use that as part of your deduction. But the you know the new tax laws that are in said, no, we're going to up your standard deduction. And for married couples, it's probably going to be somewhere north of $27,500. Meaning that your first $27,500 doesn't count as, as income. So you, your $10,000 uh, contribution to the church, now all of a sudden you, you really can't use that because they're giving you that standard deduction, which is, which is higher, which is a, a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But instead of doing the $10,000 to the church, just writing them a check, if you are of RMD age, 72 or older, now if you did it this way, let's say you assign your RMD. We have lots of people who do it in our office. You're still going to give that same $10,000 to your church, but instead of writing a check, you're going to have that RMD that comes from your IRA, 401, whatever it is, and you're going to, it doesn't touch your hands. It goes directly from you to your church. Now you're still going to get that $27,500 deduction, the standard deduction, and you're going to get that $10,000 deduction that went from your RMD 
to the to the church if you do it a certain way. Mm. So those are those are the, a lot of things that people aren't necessarily you know aware of, but those are the, some of the things that you should be looking at as planning in your CPAs. I'd say I, I bet you we have 15, 20 people who do that every year in our office just for that reason. They're going to give give money to the charity anyway. It doesn't have to be church; can be any charity, and you can use it to your benefit. And that's one of the ways that you can do that. Great illustration there, Kevin. Thanks for that. All right, let's also talk about considering purchases that could give you a tax credit. Is this like where you see the ads for buying uh, energy-efficient windows and you get a tax credit? Or I know electric vehicles have had some of these kinds of sales over the over the past couple of years as well. Is that what this is getting at? It is. So let's okay. talk about what a tax credit is. A tax credit is going to give a taxpayer a dollar-for-dollar dollar reduction on their tax bill. That's different. How's it different from a tax deduction? Well, you know, you're just deducting it from your AGI and the other way. So this gives you, so if you owe $5,000 in taxes, it gives you dollar for dollar. So, so a tax credit in in a one-on-one comparison with a deduction, a tax credit is actually more valuable, right? More, a lot more valuable. Okay. Yep. So let's talk about some of the tax credits that are available out there this year. Child tax credit for 2023, you can get up to $2,000 per child. Okay. That's big, right? Yep. Child care and dependable. You know, you can get up to $3,000 per child. You can get up, you know, $6,000 expensive, two or more. Adoption mm. credit. I have a couple, people. I know a couple of people uh, that adopted children. You know, you can deduct, you know, that's $15,950 in adoption cost. Earned income credits, savers credit, you know, you, the American Opportunity Credit, Lifetime Learning Credit, Residential energy tax credits that's what you're talking about solar heaters and you know, oh, right. all those yes. kind of things electric vehicle tax credit you know for if you buy electrical vehicle this year which i'm not a big fan of i'll tell you that right up front you get up seventy five hundred dollars for buying that or four thousand for a used one so those tax credits reduce your tax liability dollar for dollar that's the big difference and for if especially you have a family or if you're going to buy you know certain things you want to look into that and take advantage of it while you can so this would be like, let's say we're making $100,000 just to make the math easy, and we have a $20,000 deduction. Mm-hmm. We're now paying taxes on $80,000. Um, so you're, you're not saving $20,000 in taxes. It's just you're going to pay your, your percentage on $80,000 versus $100,000. Correct. But if you have, let's say, uh, let's say then after that calculation is done, the government's saying, okay, you owe $10,000 in taxes if you go buy a Tesla – and you get that $7,500 tax credit, you now, your $10,000 tax bill goes down to 2500 Exactly. Okay, very good. You can see well, the power of a tax credit then. You can. I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's powerful, especially if you're, you know, you're looking at vehicles or windows or you know, children. It's very powerful. Yeah, very cool. All right. Uh, last but not least, uh, we'll give uh, we'll kind of cap off our conversation here about tax savings on Roth conversions, and that'll be the last thing to do this year is to check and see if a Roth conversion makes sense for your situation. Who would most likely be in that category of a Roth conversion making sense for them? Well. Why? Let's back up a minute. Well, okay. Why would people consider a Roth conversion? Well, we're, we're back to taxes, right? So we, right. We, we, this would be to save money on taxes or improve your tax situation. Going forward, right? So right. if you're going to convert, let's say you have $25,000 in a traditional IRA and you convert it to a Roth. So here's what happens. The, the minute you do that, you owe taxes on that 25000 Okay. Okay. So at the end of the year, you know, April 15th, you, you have to pay Uncle Sam the taxes on that conversion. So 25000 whatever tax bracket you're in. Now, from that point forward, you convert it to a Roth, or there are no taxes, whatever it grows to. 
income tax-free for the rest of your life. So you have to have time to make this make sense because you're asking me, why, when does it make sense? Well, typically I say you want to let that, you want to at least have a good 10 years to make that viable in your own, in your own plan. The reason is because we want it to grow, we want it to stew and bubble, and we want it to get as much tax-free money in that bucket as we can. And at some point in time when you take income from, it's also going to be tax-free. So that's one, you have to have time for it to make sense. Number two, you have to have the money set aside to pay the tax. So if you're gonna pay the tax from that investment, it generally doesn't work out so well. If you're gonna pay the tax from an outside account, you have money sitting in your bank account and you're gonna pay the tax from there, that generally is far better option for you to do it. So make sure you have enough time, time's on your side. And number two, make sure you have outside funds that can cover the tax that you're gonna owe. And then the time comes into play um, more often than not. So if you're 70 years old and you want to leave it to your kids, maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't because we need at least 10 years in most instances when we look at it. So you'd be 80. So if you live to 90, it's a great deal for your kids, no taxes. So if you pass that on to your kids, no taxes. But if you, unfortunately, if you're 70 years old and you die two, two years later, well, it probably didn't make sense because you paid the taxes all up front. And now your kids are going, are going to get that if you were going to leave it for your kids. So there's lots of variations that go into play when you're looking at that. And just be careful which, which road you go down. Okay, very good. That's pretty cool to think about and to see the details there. I'm sure you certainly need to see everybody's, like all the moving parts of their plan yes. to decide if that's truly uh, the right decision for someone. But that gives you an example of where that could fit into an equation for you. Uh, so if you have any questions about handling your finances, your retirement plan, your taxes at the end of the year, don't just talk to your CPA. You also want to talk to your financial advisor because it's not just about looking in the rearview mirror, but also looking out the windshield and seeing what's coming in the future year or even years. What can you do now to improve that situation and save thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars over the course of time? Uh, that's the kind of planning you should be doing, especially the closer you get to retirement. So if you want to talk to Kevin about end of year planning items, don't hesitate since we're near the end of the year. Uh, get in touch with him by calling 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526 and set up that conversation to go over your situation and have that complimentary review. 888-885-PLAN is that number, 888-885-7526. All right, more to come on today's show, so stay tuned to Simply Financial with Kevin Ray. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know Kevin Ray a little bit better on today's show. A quick sidestep from all the financial stuff. Kevin, what is your, it's a deep question this week, what is your biggest regret in life? Or hmm. or a regret? It doesn't necessarily have to be your biggest. Yeah, I, I understand. But you know, when my dad was in the hospital, I kind of had this conversation. What about, you know, your mom or your grandfather? Where'd they come from? And we really didn't know. You know, we never, hmm. when, when we're younger, right, we don't ask the questions. So for example, my uncles, be my dad's uncles, my great uncles, there were eight of them in World War II. Eight. Eight? eight wow. Of eight of them. I sound like I'm from uh, my, my buddy from the South End there. Eight of them. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, there's eight of them, wow. and they all came back. Huh. Now, out of all eight, Uncle Bill I knew very well. He would never tell you mm. a story unless it was funny about World War II, but all those stories are lost. So for me, the biggest regret is not knowing when my great-grandmother, remember I talk about my great-grandmother all the time on the radio. I was the yeah. first great-grandchild. 
you know, I loved her to death, but I didn't know her story. You know, I didn't know her parents' mm. story, and and you know, all those things are lost now. So when I'm looking back in life, I you know, I wish I would have had the presence of mind way back when to ask the questions. Hey, what was your mom and dad like? What what was your grandfather and grandfather like? What were the times like? You know, as you remember as kids, all those stories are lost and gone. I wish I'd have dove deeper into those stories as I was younger because you know when you're younger you don't typically think about those things but that's one of the big one of the bigger regrets I I kind of miss out now I've done genealogy I can go back to the rays I can go back to 1526 wow. but all I know is the names right I don't know the stories necessarily yeah, yeah. so all those stories are lost I wish I wish they would have been carried forward so yeah all, all the uh, all the color of those stories is, yeah. is is not there you've got kind of the data but not the color commentary so well, that's that's a that's a really and this sounds weird to say that's a good regret to have you know what I mean yeah, like that's that, that you recognize that and realize it and then can also kind of tell other people that so maybe they don't make the same regret and say yeah if you've got your if you're lucky enough to still have your grandparents talk to them a little bit about their past and and yeah. learn that because you may regret not knowing it one day because a, a part of you came from something you'll never hear about. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Some maybe some of your quirks or whatever came from two generations ago. You know, just carried forward. You don't know where it started. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. Uncle yeah. Uncle Billy picked his fingernails too. Oh, that must be yeah. where I get it. You know? yeah, it must. Yeah. He, he <laughs> passed that trait down to me. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Well, thank you for sharing that, Kevin. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, that's oh. getting to know Kevin a little bit better on today's show. Uh, quick break, and we'll be back with one of your questions to wrap up this week's edition of Simply Financial. Stay tuned. What's that old naval acronym? Keep it simple, stupid. That's the one. Keep listening to Simply Financial. Discover a simpler approach to investing. Almost time to wrap things up on Simply Financial. Before we do, Kevin, let's get one quick question here from a listener. Submit your questions online at insightfolios.com. Click the listen button. Herman says, I'll be retiring in a few months after my 65th birthday, but my full retirement age isn't until 66 and eight months. Should I wait until then to start Social Security? Hmm, Herman, that's a good question. Walter, let me give you an illustration somebody gave me years ago. How long is the average, Herman's a male, obviously, how long is the average male going to live? Just guess. Uh, like 80, right? 80. Yeah, so, so, uh, well, set from, from, from where he is now at almost 65, it's like 80-something. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So imagine you got a tape ruler, right? Yeah. And you pull out 80 inches. Okay. That's pretty long, isn't it? That is, yeah. Now you're 65, you're going to live to 80. Let's put it back into 15 inches. That, okay. Does that give you a representation? Yeah. We got a, we've, just, we, just a little past a yardstick at this point, right? Right, just okay. a little past a yardstick. So in my or no, opinion, a, a, a foot stick, not a yardstick. There you go. Yeah, yeah, a foot stick, yeah. In my opinion, you know, you could wait till you're 66. There's a mathematical, uh, mathematical question to this or answer to this. We could figure that out. Or there is this question, let's look at, are you going to be more active now between 70, 75, or 80, whatever those dollar fig- or whatever those life expectancies are? To me, I used to figure it out mathematically. I'd say, all right, based on this, let's pull it here. Now, I'm a little bit different. I'm like, we're here. If you're in good health, let's use it and let's enjoy it in most cases, not all cases. There's some, there's some circumstances out there where I wouldn't say that. So in order to answer your question, Herman, I need to know a little bit more about you. We need to put that simplicity tree together, 
plan together and we'll put it in today and we'll wait to your 66 and eight months and i can show you mathematically which way it's better but i can also say all right based on whatever your health is because i don't know that how long did your parents live so on and so forth what are your activities now and we'll kind of help you i can't give you a definitive answer the only way i can tell you which what truly is the right way is when you tell me you're going to die herman and nobody knows that um, but we can kind of go in there and do the hypotheticals and say, based on what you're saying, I think this is a good time, or maybe you wait to your 66 and eight months, maybe you wait to your 70, I don't know. But in order to figure that out, come on in, Herman, We'd be, I'd be glad to sit down, put that simplicity together for you and get that answer. Very good question, Herman. Thanks for sending that one in to us. And if you have a similar question to Herman's and want to ask that to Kevin and talk one-on-one about the solutions and the other questions it brings up, don't hesitate to talk to him and get that complimentary financial review. You can talk one-on-one with Kevin Ray, who has three decades of experience in helping people plan to get to and all the way through retirement. The number to call is 888-885-PLAN. That's 888-885-7526. He's your financial coach at Insight Folios, based right in Pinconning. Come in, have a conversation, say hello, and talk in depth about your future in terms of retirement and beyond. 888-885-PLAN is that number, 888-885-7526. Kevin, thanks for the show this week and for your great insights, and we'll look forward to picking up the conversation next time around. Yeah, it was fun, Walter. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. That's Kevin Ray. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Simply Financial. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered through Insight Folios, Inc., a registered investment advisor. The firm only transacts business in states where it is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Insurance products and services are offered through individually licensed and appointed agents in various jurisdictions. Insight Folios, Inc. does not offer legal or tax advice. Kevin Ray is an investment advisor representative of Insight Folios, Inc.